What's up everyone, this pod went pretty long, so we decided to split in two parts, and we'll take you right into where part one ended. All my other trades I have question marks next to, because I'm like, I don't know what would need to be the value here to get this person, but it's kind of just some people who would fit into the trade exception. Okay. Well, I have okay. a few more, actually. Actually, actually, yeah, I actually have uh, two more that are, they're not rookie skills, but they are similar to that. So, yeah, you can go ahead with yours. What, what about Jonathan Isaac? You like, I think I, that that's been floated around. I tossed around, I was looking at the Magic, so I think there's actually a lot of weird potential things with the Magic. Um, and I was like, is, could Isaac, I don't think he's even, it's like, I don't think they'd even question that he, like, I don't think Orlando would even consider moving him. Like, I think he's like, a non-conversation starter. What but, about for the what about for the package that you left at from OG this year's first and the Timberwolves first? Still no. Uh, the, well, the thing that makes it so tough is like how to evaluate injury stuff and trade value. Like, if he was like a just a player I could trust to play seventy-five percent of my season, and then he'd probably be better at this point too because he wouldn't have missed development time. Like he missed like full off seasons and like had barely played his rookie year. Didn't play too much his sophomore year. Like if I just could trust, he played seventy five percent of his time and had full development off seasons. Like I mean, I, that could be worth it right there. I might, I might be willing to do both picks, but um, he kind of bridges that gap to that he like where he'd be. I think he's a building piece going forward, like more of a building piece than OG is, and I think he also there's the potential for him to even be better than OG right now, especially on the Warriors. I think because he'd be a, such a good. I think he'd be a great rim runner on that team with all that shooting, and then just the potential to be a one man wrecking crew on defense. But then you add the fact that Draymond's also doing the same exact thing out there. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just. But then I'm like, okay, well, how do I assess his trade value? Like. Because what happens if you give those two picks and then he just, he's too injured, can't play in the playoffs? Like that's pretty risky, I think. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's tough. I don't know. You're always looking. You're. Always, I mean, it's good to think about the worst case scenario, but ultimately you got to do something, right? Like you either got to. Well, yeah, that's true. But I just think it's not even worst case scenario for him. It's like, well, yeah, it's obviously the worst. That's the worst thing that could happen. But it's like looking at likelihood. Like I don't think that's like that unlikely. That's probably like. 30% outcome right there, like 30% of the time he's probably not playing in the pressure. And that's just a random report off the top of my head. But I mean, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about his physicals. Obviously, they'd have to do a physical, have your all your doctors look at him. So yeah. I guess I guess I didn't really factor that in too much. But yeah, him and LG are by 1A, 1B, and I, I think they'd be great fits. And But yeah, he probably wouldn't do both first then. I would I would want to, but I just don't know if I could. So from Orlando, would you do it, or would both teams say no to this? Because sometimes both teams would turn down. And teams. yeah, and then I'm looking at it as Orlando. I'm like, okay, well, looking at it the opposite way, I'm like, okay, I love his future or his potential, and all that, but like the fact that he might not be around, do I consider like selling? I don't even know if it's selling high, but it's just selling on him when there's the, a pretty real chance that either injuries derail him or he just can't even be on the court. So it's like, yeah, I definitely think about it as Orlando. Maybe someone, I want to say I do it. And like, I'm really high on Isaac, but I want to say as Orlando, I do it, especially considering their log jam at the forward. And yeah, you don't want to make future decisions around a roster. That's like probably not their future, but I mean, they have a team that maybe if you swap that out now, if you swap him out for like uh, someone who's better fit, that could lead to better success in the present and potentially not too much hurt in the future. So maybe the cost benefit there is worth doing it, but worth uh, considering clearing up that log jam and just betting on Aaron Gordon to be your four because he's still really young. But no, that's a really weird conversation. That's a really tough conversation right there. And real quick about Aaron Gordon, that's one of the people I was specifically referencing when I say just missed the cut for a. Like that seventeen million dollar trade exception because he like kind of is the exact type of player I was thinking uh, forward forward size player on a team that could be looking to shake it up and like be willing to get a top draft pick out of it and uh, start high not even if you call him a high end starter but he's like at least definitely a starter level player really good defender has potential to be a little more on like a team where he probably fits better that's kind of the exact guy I had in mind but he doesn't quite fit in the trade exception yeah well I know that. Uh, I know Daniel LaRue talked a lot about this, like the stair step thing. So, like, yeah, I mean, I you could about, include yeah, those guys. 
Okay, yeah, sorry. Like if you trade it for James Johnson or yep. Cody Zeller, and then yep, I have those exact things written down. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, we can go ahead and talk about that a little deeper, just in case like some people aren't too familiar with it. It's just the idea of we've talked about this before, just extending the asset they use because that trade that trade exception expires like basically right when the moratorium was set to end. But they only have like a couple days into the offseason that. They can do it like during the draft or whatever before the real offseason starts when you just agree to deals. But technically, they only have like a couple days into the legit offseason, I think, to complete that deal or just disappears. It turns into nothing. So the idea behind that would be you get someone who makes around that contract. Um, you just trade them like a second round pick or whatever. You can be like a fake second, like a top 55 protected, and you bring that person in. And then you just have that salary on your books going forward. But the idea of it, it's just a walking human trade exception. You just have that person just for the salary so you can continue to have it. And they'll be expiring so the other teams won't mind it. But it's just you have that salary so you can still pull off that trade up through the next trade deadline. And do you have any more that fit that category? Because I have a couple that do. Um, well, I was just going to say quickly that taxpaying teams can take on 125% of outgoing salary. So, yeah, so you would take like the 16 that James Johnson is owed and you can add like 4 million to it. So you could get to a few of those guys. Um, I mean, I still had some guys without that needed, but we can do yours if you want. Well, I think I'll just really quick fly them on like 30 seconds. Uh, I put sure. down Ru- Rudy Gay and Cody Zeller like that. Maybe throw them a second round pick oh, or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting ones to think about. Um, James Johnson, like you said. You bring Iguodala back. <laughs> he makes fifteen million now. <laughs> I have Iguod- I have him written down. <laughs> I don't think it's the craziest thing. It would be pretty funny, but I don't think that's the uh, craziest scenario. Like, I think it you can definitely find an angle to where it makes sense. Um, uh, one guy too, I put it's not quite the same because I think he'll have an extra year in his contract. But uh, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, just get like an average starterish level player, and. Yeah, I think that's all the guys I have for that style of trade. And then James Johnson's really the only one that's like kind of strictly for extending the asset. Those other guys, like you can kind of see their if you squint, you can kind of see their fit yeah. on the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those, yeah. Those are the those. That's the list, pretty much. Oh, um, guys that you could do that with. Yeah, one question I should have researched this myself, but I can't remember if Evan Fournier actually fits into it because. His, I th- is is this option for seventeen million flat? Because the exception is technically seventeen point two, and I think it, Evan- uh, it fits. It fits. Oh. It's he's the last guy. So I have every player, and <laughs> I have their descending by descending twenty twenty one salaries, and the line is right above him. I think he fits by like thirty thousand. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. Um, but he's kind of the only issue. He's kind of like the stereotype I was describing, how like high end starter type player, but. I think that still might be selling a little low, and he's he'd be expiring, so he could leave. This is all assuming he opts into his uh, player contract or player option, and um, and it's kind of it be it's betting on his career year. Like he's coming off a career year. Maybe, well, I guess that's, you can kind of do that because, like I've been saying, low pod, you're going to play with Golden State where you're in ideal situation. So maybe you can assume that's about the level of production you get. But still, the being ex- given up a top four pick for an expiring player that's a pretty tough sell especially someone who's probably be looking to get paid and Golden State probably wouldn't be looking to get paid them or pay him yeah Fournier wouldn't be my favorite guy and I think they could probably get him without this year's first but but yeah if he, let's say know. let's say he was on a, just real quick if he was like three years 17 million um a year like starting in 2021 that was the first year and he had two more years of 17 million do you consider it then because then you can kind of you can convince yourself you're getting him for like probably the last three years of your championship run. I don't think I would do that if I were okay. the Warriors. I just don't love his fit with Curry yeah. and Clay, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so go ahead with any other one you want to talk about. Okay, so my third one, Josh Richardson. I wrote that down as we were talking earlier. Like, I okay. had this came to me when... Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't think about him the first time, but then like I just randomly thought of that about 30 minutes ago, so I wrote him down on my sheet. I like that, too. So do you think you get that for the Wolves first? Um, No, because I think Philly would want something like they had. They would get the – I think they'd want the Golden State. Are you talking about both picks or just only the Wolves? No, just, just the Wolves. 
I mean, I think the value is pretty close, but I just think if I was Philly, I'd want the the bit that I already know for a fact is top five, and I can get one more, one year's worth more of a production out of it. Yeah. Well, maybe if you have to give up this year's pick, maybe you get like second coming back or like a, a pick swap later. Because I don't know. I think that's a little rich for Richardson personally. No. No, I'm just in my head. I'm trying to can do your comparison or like compare your values of players. I'm looking at how you value. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather OG, OG versus Richardson. I think OG and Isaac. I would rather have them than Richardson. You wouldn't? I I think Isaac. Yeah, OG. I don't know because he's he's a great defender, probably a better defender than Richardson, and he's a good complementary offense player, but. I guess it kind of just depends what you need more. And, like, I don't know yet as the Warriors, because like, I don't know what I'm getting back out of Stephen Clay. But, like, if I knew Stephen Clay were, like, let's just say 95% of what they have been, then I probably would – I think I'd lean OG. But if I'm like, okay, I might need a little more creation out of this spot. And, like, I'm still – I'm just as fine with Clay being, like, my primary three-guarder as if my other guarder – my other, like, wing defenders elite too. So I think I might would lean Richardson – if I didn't think I was getting, like, the best possible versions of uh, my two guys. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think just the idea of swapping Richardson for that pick, that's definitely interesting. All right. And then I also have – I mean, Ochi is also a lot younger than Josh Richardson. I also was factoring that in. Um, but I had uh, Luke Kennard. I thought about him, too. Um that's just one I should... Would you give up this year's pick for Luke Kennard? Now I'm starting to pull all these back after this. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Well, see, I, like, all these I guys probably, bringing I, up are, like, guys I thought about, too. It's just then I just I just had to... I really debated with myself, too, like, if I would give this year's pick for him. That's kind of what I was talking about in the beginning. Just, like, I don't know. It's just, like, a weird one. They're just, like, they need more median value assets. So not to get too bogged down on what we were talking about earlier, but say it's the fifth pick. So they, it's like 50-50 if, it's, if yeah. they get drawn top four. If it's the fifth pick for the next two years, would you rather have Kennard or the fifth pick? I'd rather have the healthy version of Kennard. <laughs> that's yeah, another... So I, I, I that's forget another about health. I forget about health sometimes. I'm playing in like video game style when I'm True. just doing this on paper. But no, I mean, health's definitely... injuries off. <laughs> no, yeah, you definitely have to think about it. But maybe um, maybe if I get confidence from my medical team or whatever. Yeah, I think he falls in the category of Isaac has said. Uh, if I could ex- just knew I was getting at least 75% health or health and like off-seasons to like his off-seasons weren't spent injured and he couldn't work on his game, then yeah, I mean, I think that's... I really would think hard about that. I think because he's another person who would be good at bridging the gap between, like, he's definitely going to help you win now, and um, I like him as a piece going forward in the next version of the next good version of this team, or just be if the t- success continues for a long time, just to continue to be a good role player on the team. Okay, one more quick. Oh, I have more, but anyway, I'll give you one more <laughs> immediately. Right. What about what about Wendell Carter? I yeah, when I was looking at Laurie, I thought about that too. I decided. As Golden State, I'd rather have Laurie, um, another guy with health issues, and Wendell Carter. But then just the idea of him and Draymond on offense, that space, and like kind of something you talked about earlier, the shooting. Like Laurie's at least going to let it fly. And like we talked about on the Bulls pod, like he hasn't quite hit it, hit the shot as much as he could, but the potential is still there just because like how pretty the shot looks when he's open. If you kind of just cut out those contested ones, which he probably would in Golden State. But, yeah, I think that spacing is really starting to get compromised. I mean, maybe Steve Kerr just tells him to let it fly because I think a lot of people say Jim Boylan holds him back from his shooting, and he was a good shooter in college and high school, so maybe that changes in Golden State. Just operating under what we know, I think that defense – or that offense gets kind of tough. And then defense, I mean, yeah, big good fit like that. But I just think the offense will be a little too compromised. Yeah, I will say for that one, I didn't have either this year's pick or the Wolves for that one. I had like other Warriors first. Is that, like, I was supposed to say, maybe do like the late, if you could do the late or the Warriors pick for 21 plus Eric Pascal. I mean, that's, I think about that at Chicago. They desperately need some forwards. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, a first that wasn't elite, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I have, I think I have one here. 
So I have three more trades that are just like absorbing like two solidish players into the um, into the exception. This one, I'm trying to think which one I want to start with. Uh, okay, we'll go with this one. This one's probably the spiciest. What about JJ Redick and Josh Hart for this year's first? Briefly thought about Redick. I thought that I just didn't love the and add in Hart. I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, with Redick, I love the shooting. I already said they need shooting. Defense, just imagine that lineup, the the minutes that the three would play together. Yeah, and basically the fact that you always have one on the court, but most of the time you have at least two of those guys on the court. And then Josh Hart, just your good, just solid do it all role player would fit really well on the team. It gives them just one deeper kind of something we've talked about. Um, and you get uh, team control of them, and he probably won't get too crazy expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think I would do that. I don't think – I don't know if you would. I don't know if the standard GM would with uh, loving that pick. For, you're talking For, about – yeah, oh, so as Golden State. Yeah, yeah as Golden State. I guess this one probably – let's say it's the third – we'll say it's the fourth pick. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get one of my main uh, guys that I like or just like the arch- archetype that I like um, out of those three primary ball handlers – but there's a good chance one's available. But I don't know. You get two, or you get one more year of Redick, and you can he'll probably just ride out his career in there because I, mean, I don't see why he want to stay in San Francisco for the rest of his career. Probably get like a, some money, like solid like two year deal or something to finish out his career. It's a great situation. Just probably a good living situation too. Josh Hart, you get another year of team control, or you get team control, but like another year of being cheap. Um. Or I guess no, that this would be the last year he'd be uh, cheap, right? I think so. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah. I think he, he's going to get paid after yeah, this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Josh Hart, that might that might be enough uh, for me to do it just because I think if you add Riddick and Hart to the, like, the next two years of this team, like that's really – I think that helps them a good bit in their championship run. And then uh, Josh Hart is someone you can count on to be good for – at least the next five, six years. Maybe he's not a difference maker, but you can probably count on him to be good for a while. So if that pick gets a little higher, I'm definitely, like, I think five, I'm, like, strongly considering that. I like how with every deal, we kind of shade the <laughs> pick t- up, yeah, t- up t- or t- down, <laughs> however way we want it, which which is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah I mean, like you said, that's a coin toss. It's 50-50, their top four, if they end up at five, so. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize that. It's kind of crazy to think about, too. You can be the worst team in the league by far, but good chance you don't end up uh, with the top four pick. Yeah, that's why we were talking about the tanking a couple of podcasts ago. Because, yeah, it's it's definitely a different ball game. Uh, do you got another one? Oh, yeah. So the other ones I have like that are Bielitsa and Holmes from Sacramento. And then... This one from Memphis would either be the ultimate sell low or um, – hold on. I wrote down, like, confusing notes. Yeah, this one from Memphis would either be, like, really sell low or you'd need some, like, draft capital back to even it out. But just Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson fit into the exception. Probably wouldn't want to do your pick for that. I didn't – I want that yet. Yeah, one thing I forgot to consider when making these was um, – like the fact that the they might they actually do have that pick that's theirs next year that's like probably in the twenties which actually is somewhat of a medium value asset, um, right? But yeah, I kind of just put this one on the Ty Jones Kyle Anderson just to gauge like just like how you feel about like how do you think that's like obviously it's selling really low but like uh, how low do you think like that'd be selling on um, you if you try to use your pick for that like is that just like absolutely insane? I think it's pretty bad. I think you could for sure do better. I think you could do better. I think if, Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson's yeah. very average. So I like Tyus Jones, but what if it was uh, Justice average. Winslow and Tyus Jones? So I have Justice. I have Justice Winslow on my list, and that actually Winslow and Tyus. I would Jones, do that. Be, I would. That'd be too would, much. It'd have to be. Yeah. Uh, be, yeah. Because what is Winslow at like twelve or ten? He's at. 
think 13 flat, but uh, Tyus Jones is like nine something, yeah, eight or nine. So yeah, that'd be a little too much. But yeah, maybe I think maybe uh, I would do. Oh yes, so that's why I was confused. I didn't. I my notes. I wasn't writing to use the Warriors pick for that deal. Original. Uh, I was just saying Pascal for those two. Just swapping Pascal out for like two solid rotation players. Yeah, I would do that. Cause I don't know if the Memphis would, but I don't know. I think as Memphis, I would do it because um, you're saving a good bit of money in one, and wouldn't that cause them to create like two trade player exceptions? That's that's really getting deep in the cap, but I believe they would get like one. Uh, I don't even want to get into it, but I think that they end up with like two decent little trade trade player exceptions there, and um, but they would they'd have to take. Um, Oh, Pascal into cap space or what? Or minimum? Is he a minimum? He's a second round guy, so I don't really, I don't know. We're really deep. Get the we'll research to, team. Yeah, on that. we'll really have to get the research team on that. But um, so yeah, the idea for Memphis. I mean, I really like Pascal's fit with like uh the shooting of Jaron Jackson Jr. Like the open court they're trying to play. Like you put John Moran out there, like two like forward sized guys and Winslow. And um, Pascal, and like they're big forward size guys too. And then you got a lot of different options with the bigs. They can go Jaron Jackson at the five, or you can go him at the four. And maybe you still play the Valanciunas for now, or Brandon Clark, or whatever. But I think adding another like legit forward size guy into that rotation, like that's a pretty interesting setup. I think I'd be less likely to say yes as Golden State. I mean, I like the idea of adding Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson, but I mean, I. There's injury issues with it, both of them, and there's like the chance that neither one of them is playable in the playoffs. But it would be nice, like Ty Jones, I think it would be really nice to have, have him play with the shooters so and then run run the show when Steph Curry's not in. Kyle Anderson would be a great fit, and uh, maybe if you're getting the best version of him, could play um, some closing lineup minutes. Like if you're getting the version where he's passable shooting, good defender, just smart offensive player, he could kind of be like. The poor, not even poor man's, but just maybe be like a, a version of the Igudala now, like maybe or what Igudala was for them, like when he was starting to age, he, he wouldn't be like the on-ball stopper that you put on, like you could trust him, like elite wing guys, but just as a help defender, maybe it's like different style defense, but maybe close to the same impact. I mean, that'd be literally betting on like the absolute ceiling of it, but I mean, I don't think that'd be. I think it'd be somewhat possible because of the great conditions he'd be playing in. Um, yeah, I think I'm more likely to say yes to that as Memphis than Golden State. I think you're maybe higher on Pascal, but he has a yeah. super team-friendly deal. So he's probably valuable to the Warriors, too, because they can get production for... Because, I mean, with, with them being in the tax, they they can save them, like, 20-some million dollars between them and, like, a $8 million role player. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the other one I quickly brought up was Bealitz and Holmes. Uh, the fir- maybe you do like a pick swap there too. You get Sacramento's pick at like thirteen plus those two for let's say like a if Golden State ended up with like a top three pick or something like that. Like here we go and like tailoring the pick. But if they end up with like an elite pick, I mean I think that'd be pretty good value to go back in the lottery and then two starters to sixth seventh man type guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they're just moving down, I mean, I like Bielitz a lot. I thought I had him written down. I don't, but I, I like I like how he would fit there. And if they're only moving back, they might end up with somebody they think can play or they can even take play right away or even take a project. So, I mean, yeah, if they're only moving back, like, seven spots, I think that that'd be good. Yeah, and then um, that's all. All I have for just absorbing guys in the trade exceptions. I have a few other normal trades that we can go for quick, but uh, do you have anything else about uh, just going in the trade exception? So I have. Uh, what about Thad Young? Yeah, I like that. that'd be. I think he'd be a really good fit. Uh, probably versatile. Versatile. He can pass a little bit. He can play defense. Uh, I think he's really improved his defense the last uh, handful of years. I know he didn't do so hot in Chicago this year. But yeah, I mean, I think I have like a second rounder. Yeah, or, that, I mean, I definitely. If n- nothing else like comes a, of it. Yeah. And then like yeah. you can you just have that salary to maybe use in a bigger deal too. But if not, I think it definitely helps now, and probably wouldn't be too expensive. So yeah, I like that. Also, have um, what about Dejounte Murray? 
you seem to want to have another ball yeah. uh, ball handler there, and he can play defense. And I was thinking like a, a decent first for him. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I just didn't ended up not writing that one down, but that is a thought I had as well. And I'm not. Yeah, I guess I just forgot to write up my notes. But um, I think that yeah, that's where you get that territory. Those that is your pick too good to give up for just that. Um, but you do get a good bit of team control. Like it's, you get all of his contract because it'll just now be starting from the first year you have him. Four years. Uh, like you said, I've talked about the fit, of, uh, how much I like that fit of another like big guard with them. And he was actually he's like really good at getting to the rim. Actually, I don't know the stats behind him getting to the rim, but I know he was like great mid range shooter this year. Like he was like uh, one of like the best mid rangers like guard, like high volume mid range shooters in the league. Like and that kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe he could like do a lot of what Livingston was doing plus but be like even better defender and even a more dynamic ball handler so yeah I really like that fit but do you think the, this year's pick would be too much for him? I think I was thinking like the Minnesota pick yeah I mean who knows which is Maybe, very similar yeah, but it's at least a like, year away yeah no other than being a year out and like in not getting the production from the pick right away like other teams might value that even more. So yeah. You think this person would do that, or they have a lot uh, of guards? Well, if they were, if they're an organization that I'm not, not saying they don't think rationally, but they kind of just don't trade players. But if like yeah. just trying to think of it, just looking at their roster and then just making a rational decision, it's definitely a conversation. I think that's like you said, the how many guards they had there they have so yeah i'd definitely consider that as the spurs and the warriors that has potential to work in both ends yeah they only make trades when they can trade away a finals mvp for demar Derozan, and the aqua purple and, and include danny green with it yeah. um then what about joe ingles yeah he's someone i thought of like that he's the last person i thought of um I guess I forgot to write him down too. Um, so I, for him, I thought like a 2021 Warriors first, maybe it would get it. Yeah, um, yeah, and like I'm glad, like I said a few minutes ago, how I just completely forgot about that trade asset when I was thinking of like the medium type deals, and like I was like, well, what could we give? That's like definitely not going up your pick or the Minnesota pick for Ingles, but I just completely forgot like that pick next year if I'm being like the 20s, and that might be it. Maybe you have to give a little more to get. Utah to do it though because I think the value is good with just like a late-ish first but I think Utah is like a little too connected to him and like that is like giving them a high first round pick doesn't really do anything for them doesn't like start a rebuild and it just kind of makes them worse in the now uh so I think you probably have to do a little more to entice them but I really uh, Joe Ingles is definitely someone I like on this team that's probably right you probably need to be able to throw in a little bit more but did like him anyway. then i have just you can respond in 10 seconds or less well one last thing so you mentioned you pigeonholed winslow into your other deal but like would you give this year's first for winslow say his fourth no no <laughs> and the, the injuries like i like it's just too tough to bet on someone who like almost never sees especially with winslow it's been he's had like i think he said like back injuries and stuff too and he just has missed probably just as many games as he's played in his career. That's fine. But, but the because I actually heard Locked On talking about this, and they suggested the Warriors' 2021 pick. But the Grizzlies never do that, do they? Why would they want to? No, do that? I mean they gave up. Well, they they gave up cap space right uh, for for him essentially, but and Crowder yeah. too. But. Yeah, um, but no, I mean it just. I don't, that doesn't really make that much sense. Like, if you have him, you at least want to see what it looks like and just the potential of like a three and D wing who has other skills too, like handling doing a little secondary creation and stuff. Like, you don't give that up for a pick in the twenties. Like, even if you're, but they're not, yeah, they're good this year. But that's a rebuilding team, like trying to find its future pieces, and he could definitely be like a starter level player on a good team if he can stay healthy. So like, at at the most important position. So yeah, there's no way I would consider that. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's a non-starter for me. I'd be close. I think the this year's like fourth or fifth pick is closer to a twenty-fourth pick next year for value. But, but yeah, um, yeah. Then just a couple couple quick ones. Uh, this is just like for basically filling the spot. Trevor Ariza for like a second, fake second or something. Yeah. Uh, and then Tony Snell, I kind of don't mind. 
Yeah. Like a wing, he shot well this too, year. Yeah. He can defend. You could probably get him for next to nothing. He is also another contract. He makes like twelve million, I think. Um, and then Kelly Olynyk is the last guy. Yeah, the stretch big. Yeah, I like both of those too. Um, I didn't think of Olynyk, but that's just because it didn't cross my mind. But I thought of Snow. Um, I'll quickly get into some the other trades I have. Um, so really, I guess I can just mention two guys I really like having. I would, I would really like on this roster, and then the trades are basically the exact same style, just probably different draft assets. But I really like Malcolm Brogdon or Drew Holiday on this team, and the idea would just be Andrew Wiggins and a ton of draft picks, probably anywhere from two to four, depending on um, how. I guess just somewhere in that range is depending on which I probably want to do holiday would probably be worth a little more. Well, I don't know when you factor in the contracts, holiday is definitely the better player, but, and I think I like that fit a little more just because of how great of a defender he really is. But, um, his contract situation, he does expire pretty quick and you got a long, you got three more years of Brogdon. Um, but yeah, just the idea of Wiggins and a ton of picks for one of those guys. In general, I like the idea of it, but is that including either of these like elite picks? Probably one at least. Maybe if you do both of them, like that's the only value. Like Wiggins, and then the two good firsts. Mm-hmm. But pro- you probably don't. Uh, well, then I'm factoring. Players like, probably don't do that, that right? I mean, I don't know, because if you view Wiggins as a negative, and if you don't, if you're low on his, like, fit on his team, well, obviously everyone views him as negative, but I, I guess a severe negative. Well, the Warriors it, seem to think that he's not a negative, but I guess that's what you got to say when you trade for him. Um, yeah. But it's just, like, the idea of attaching some quality picks with Wiggins if you're really low on that fit and you don't think there's anything salvageable there. And you're high on the fit of Brogdon and Holiday, which I am. So, just, yeah, but it's like it, that's the thing I was talking about earlier too. Just add, adding, putting a, another guard in between those two to let Steph and Clay work, and uh, these two both have to be good defenders. Holiday's a great defender; they fit the closing lineup really well. Malcolm Brogdon showed he plays great with uh, other superstars, and just on, he's been good on. He's been really good in the playoffs before. Uh, but they both have some injury issues and are getting up there in age, so it would be tough to mortgage too much of your future, but I think I would be willing to be pretty aggressive for one of those two guys because I think that really puts you back in championship territory for the next two years and probably doesn't kill your future. Right. I, both of them, I think both of them would be really good there. Just be a question of the value and also if how interested you could get those teams. Like the Pacers probably don't have a lot of interest in Wiggins and I'm sure they would like the picks just because they always like being relevant, but I don't know. I'd have to work through those. Yeah, just something to think about. Uh, one joking one I have is CP3 for Wiggins. Uh, it, whatever picks you got attached, but if you could come to a deal for that, just we'll say it's for a pick or two, Like, would you do it? I mean, maybe you're. Assume- I, I don't even think that actually works, but maybe. Yeah, I think you got to add a little more. Like, yeah, you got to add a little more. Ah, uh, I. I don't know. I. That just would be really fun to see CP3 on that team. Like, I can't. And Curry and Clay. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty interesting. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> I guess I probably wouldn't want to do Wiggins and a bunch of picks. They just got rid of a point guard because they wanted to have a better fit. But yeah. obviously, Chris Paul is a completely different player than Russell. But maybe do you have any? Lean, no. Yeah, we can. Go what about? Go past it then. Do you have any? This, about, do you have any other trades? About, uh, just because we have to. What about Wiggins and five firsts for Ben Simmons? <laughs> I, I thought about it. Um, no, I'm not doing it as Philly. But one thing I tossed around for a second, like the only non What if it's like, the number one overall pick and then you're dreaming on <laughs> yeah. it? Number one pick next year, then the best possible Minnesota pick next year. Uh, or one number one this year, best possible Minnesota next year. Um, but no, I thought about, so what, what about Clay Thompson for Ben Simmons? 
I don't think I'd do it as either side, but it's interesting to think about the two in the other situation. Like Clay Thompson just uh, having a little more responsibility, but still just being like the elite best as like best as three and D guy there is uh, around Joe Embiid, and then Ben Simmons and Steph just running the floor together, and then. He'd be he'd be basically become the new short role guy. Like that'd be kind of yeah. I'd figure out how him and Draymond would play together, but having just if Ben Simmons was being the short role guy instead of Draymond, like he'd probably be a lot more dunking on people instead of throwing the lob, or Draymond would be throwing the lob to Ben Simmons. Probably put Ben Simmons as your starting center, honestly, and that starts to get really interesting. But we're we're getting a little too long to have a deep conversation about that. Yeah. What about? Uh... What about Wiggins for Towns and five firsts? <laughs> All right, so Wiggins for any all-star and five firsts. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, I, I actually didn't do any, like, big, big game hunting with, with Wiggins just because it'd be really hard to pull off. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they look at it, but... Yeah, I mean, that's what, all the trades. I have a few. What about one last one? What if it's just uh, Wiggins for Blake Griffin? I thought about that too. Um, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, do you think Blake could help win more now? Or win? Like, do you think he'd help more now than Wiggins would, like the next two seasons? Health aside, before you even mention it, it's clear <laughs> that Blake has been a much better, way better player, obviously. And I don't know, I think Blake and Draymond would be good next to each other. And Wiggins, I mean, on paper, he's like your wing defender, but he really is not a wing defender unless he learns how to overnight. So I, you're not, like, losing that. I don't know. I think Blake would probably be better for them, yeah. Yeah, but then um, you probably want nothing to do with extending that salary out. Like, I, I actually, I don't even know who goes longer. I think Wiggins, I think. Yeah. You probably want nothing to do with it as Detroit. Yeah, maybe you have to throw in uh, first. Yeah. Um, so real quickly, you want to just go over some like MLE targets? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I wanted them to have point... I said point guards. You actually said Napier earlier. I yeah. had him down. Uh, and then I have Goran Dragic, maybe if he takes just a massive pay cut <laughs> to be on a really good team. Those are my first two on my guard list. <laughs> uh, nice. And then I also had Reggie Jackson. Yeah. So I, he's someone I kind of forgotten about for a lot of teams. Like, I think I might have had him on some other, I would have had him on other teams, but I think he kind of just uh, slipped because the thing, I, the website I look at a lot, like has him listed by salary and now he's at like a minimum salary. So I think I've kind of glossed over him a few times, but yeah, I have a few um, with who like I wrote down with the mindset of being willing, maybe they'd be willing to like finish their career in Golden State and just take like the MLE because they've made plenty of money in their career and they're, maybe like a $10 million player now, but they'd be willing to take $5 million to play for Golden State. Um, Drogic kind of fit that category. Uh, let's see. And then I put Paul Millsap. I was like, if you can talk Paul Millsap in that, which, I mean, he just he's coming off a $90 million contract, probably he's made a good bit of money in his career. Like, I don't think, because I think he still has at least like 30 to 40 more million worth of earnings in his career if he just like continues to get the type of deals he probably will. But if you, I mean, I'm blowing his agent's phone up, like trying to tell him we'll get in in every single commercial we can and uh, really make up that money. But I think if they get Paul Millsap, that probably jolts them right back into title contention if they don't use the trade exception. Um, and then I put Marcus Saul down, kind of. I mean, he's he's not too far off that value anyway. Um, if Jermichael Green opts out, I mean, that's about the type of level of player he is. Yeah, any thoughts on like the Paul Millsap one or anyone else I said? I would love Millsap there, kind of in the David West mold of taking way less to go play there, but I just can't see that happening. But I, I guess it's whatever players value, right? I mean, same with Casal. Yeah. You think Casal is a near five million dollar player? I mean, I don't think he's more than like a ten million dollar player. But, but I mean, he, if he stays he, with Toronto, they would yeah, just give him more. He's going to get probably. The, probably the balloon deal for one year anyway, as it is. So, but who knows? Maybe. Uh, and then, jokingly, like but it. not really jokingly, like two guys I think would make sense are Alex Burks and GR three. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I actually scrolled past them, and I was like, I'm not going to do it because they just traded him away. But no, bring I mean. back them two and Iguodala. <laughs> what about Boogie? Oh yeah. Uh, I don't 
That'll be interesting to see how the rest of his career plays out. Um, but yeah, real quick, I'll just say a couple other guys I had. Each one more, DJ Augustin, Langston Galloway. I think Michael Carter-Williams would be interesting to play the Sean Livingston role. Um, Nick Batum, I think, could be nice there. Kent Bazemore, Furkan Korkmaz. Evan Turner, I think, would be a good fit. A uh, few project guys on the way, not project, but just like um, older guys who maybe have a little left in the tank, in, considering like this like perfect type situation. And Damari Carroll and Courtney Lee, uh, maybe Michael Kidd Gilchrist, if you bring in some other shooting somewhere and you just want one more defender. Damian Dotson, I think, would be nice there. And the one guy who I actually am kind of interested in there, it's like, so one thing I wrote down in my notes is like, I would be, I would consider. Um, guys who didn't quite live up to their potential and like who are just like minimum type guys now there's a few guys like that who I think Golden State should really look at just with the idea that you you could maybe get the best version of them on your team and it's just minimum to MLE it's like not too much opportunity cost um, so one guy I put was Mario Hazonia I think like if you could get like the best ball he's played in his career like which I think would be pretty realistic in Golden State system just have him letting it fly from three probably getting the most open looks he's had and um, you do need a little bit of shot creation probably in your second unit and he could help with that it's not I'm sure he'd love to help with that he loves shooting yeah. but um, yeah this is something I think would be pretty interesting that'd be an interesting flyer to take as them yeah I mean I like a Pretty much all those. Oh, and Harry Giles, kind of same idea, but just from the center position. Yeah. They, basically, they just they want more capable players than the 10-day guys even floating through, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had the one guy I really liked that you didn't mention is Reggie Bullock. He is shot like 39% or more, I think, every year of his career, except for this year. And I think he's actually like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he can defend a little bit. I think that he'd be perfect maybe for MLE. Uh, I also have Wayne Ellington, basically like a homeless man's Clay Thompson off the bench, running around trying to shoot threes. Uh, you could probably maybe get him for the minimum. Uh, Jay Crowder I like to bring up for every team, but I think he makes a lot of sense here. Uh, Marvin Williams, did you say Marvin Williams? Uh, no, but I like that one. That's a really good okay. one. And then Wilson Chandler, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, like threes and fours. You can defend a little bit. Yeah, and I like Aaron Baines would like a decent amount. Maybe yeah, get him him to MLE. And how about Bruno Caboclo? Yeah, I think Houston is, is he a non guarantee or something, or is he unrestricted? I thought he was unrestricted. Houston, Houston, went on. Their, Houston went out of their way, like, uh, kind of like for no, like after they made all their deadline deals, like they went out of their way to get him. And like, that's kind of like Maury's like guy, he like really just he'll never stop giving uh, believing in so i think i don't think he gets out of houston again um dang was it? i had one more i had something to say about someone you brought up oh i can't remember it williams bullock wayne ellington crowder chandler rhj oh it was when you're talking about Wilson Chandler and rhj i had one more it might have been about one of those guys it just might have been a thought ahead that i oh, forgot uh, Bruno um, is Bruno is unrestricted, by the way. But yeah, he they could still resign him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he only shot forty three percent on seven threes a game uh, in the G League last uh, in eighteen nineteen. Yeah, I think that's why uh, Maury's so yeah probably. enamored by him, and just the fact that like he's, I think he's kind of slow on his feet, but he's got like crazy like arm length, I think, and like decent size. Uh, is definitely an interesting one. Yeah, and the yeah, last watch. guy that I saved just for you is Anthony Bennett. Anthony, I knew that's where you were going. That's <laughs> what I just thought of when you said Bruno. I was like, that's like Anthony Bennett type numbers. <laughs> uh, love Anthony Bennett, but yeah, that's that's all the guys I had. Down. He was actually like forty five percent from three, <laughs> on like basically about the same type of volume in the G League for like two years too. Like he turned into like a real shooter in the G League. Uh, what is what is up with him right now? Is he hurt? He was, or is he... Yeah, he he was like Houston because remember SBC last year, basically like a year ago today. Houston, oh, I'll never him, forget that. Yeah, Houston gave him that uh, non guaranteed, and um, that's when I that's when I learned all those stats, and I can still remember the fact that he just shooting like forty five percent. But he got hurt, like, and he's basically he's like fighting with like Ryan Anderson, like 
one other guy, and they basically had like two roster spots, and like yeah, so he had a pretty solid chance of getting one of them, but he got hurt like right away, and it was like he's gonna miss a while, so like there's he basically had no chance. I think he you know, he like legit only got like six thousand dollars like out of his contract or something like that, because like basically all non guaranteed, and then um, yeah, but he I mean he had like a more than a puncher's chance to make the Houston roster this year if he wouldn't have got hurt. Yeah, I. I would love to see it. I would. I would definitely. <laughs> um, I know. It was, I know. I'm gonna remember that thought I had like the second we stopped recording, and well, I feel like well, it was something like solid to say too. But while you think of that, that reminded me of Derek Williams. Uh, Anthony Bennett reminds me of Derek Williams, just a former bust. <laughs> he signed with uh, Valencia, so he is off the table for these NBA oh. teams next year. He signed over in Spain today. Can't so, believe they they got him. Drop that nugget. Yeah, what a splash signing for. Um, for Spain. Yeah, that's all I have. Do you want to get the predictions? Sure. Do you want you want to go first this time? Yeah, I'll go first. Um. I don't even know what I think I'm coming up with it right now. Uh, so I feel like I think they're trying. They're gonna try to use the exception. Um, honestly, I think what might end up happening is they just do like the James Johnson type thing and extending it out, uh, then just figuring out the deadline what they want to do. Because I just feel like it's gonna be tough to. Like, we saw, like, how different we were valuing the pick and stuff. And then, like, even the players that were being traded, like, we were pretty different there. And it's just such a weird draft. Like, I think they're going to end up making that pick. Uh, maybe just using the exception. And then probably, like, using the exception on, like, a medium-level player or, like, just something, like, more low-key for, like, a, maybe next year's first or something. I just – I don't think they're making any big splashes. I think it's all just kind of be lower scale, especially with all, like, the economy factors now. Hopefully that doesn't contradict anything I said like in the last two hours. It probably contradicts it all, but we, I've said so much at this point. I don't know what to think. <laughs> I think I'm losing my mind. That, as long as we're already just marathoning, it doesn't even matter. I was going to ask you, do you think there's any chance that they just take the best player they think like the best whatever, best player available or the best value? Or maybe say they take ball because they know 24 teams like ball. And then maybe do that to trade him, kind of like they just literally uh, got D'Angelo Russell, basically only to trade him later. Do you think there's any chance that they <laughs> extend that asset? Maybe they trade for James Johnson and then yeah. they use this pick in March or something and trade for that's, the missing link. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, that's probably. I mean, I could. To see that being pretty realistic because then it's like they don't have to commit to anything now and it's like just keeping your options open for longer. You risk the pick losing trade value, but you also gain the fact that they might gain trade value or they might just stay neutral. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's actually pretty realistic. Yeah, basically just kicking the can down the road. You don't have to decide. I know a lot of people at the time kind of made fun of the Cavs or LeBron's decision to like trade Wiggins away right away. Whereas they could have like saw what they could have in him. So maybe it's something that they consider of just actually keeping their selection for a small amount of time and then still considering trading it later. But yeah. What, so what do you think they're going to do? I think that they will use the exception also just because it would kind of, I don't know, it's, like, been talked up so much. I think it would just, like, leave a little bit of egg on their face if they just let it expire for nothing. Yeah. And they're, like, so gung-ho on being, like, light years ahead and so smart that if they just, like... I mean, this asset literally vanishes in thin air if they don't use it. Oh, speaking of that, you remind me. I remember what I was going to say. Um, probably no one's listening anymore at this point. But <laughs> um, it was just going to be a housekeeping note that... We should we should mention after two hours of podcasting that they can't sign and trade for someone into that exception. They would be able to, but they're so far above the apron that they're not able to do that. So for all the two people still listening, there you go. Yeah, I mean we're just talking to ourselves at this point. We're just exactly. recording recording a conversation, which is fine, but that is a good point because they cannot do what they did last year to take anybody in in a sign and trade because yeah they're way over the tax way over the apron 
So that's a good point. Uh, Maybe yeah, I'll just do a little bit of editing and I'll just cut that and put it earlier or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get the team on it. Yeah. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> um, so I would, what was I saying? I say, oh, the, it literally just vanishes on whatever October 19th or whatever the new date is. So I feel like they'll definitely use it just because they want to be fancy and they want to jack up their salary artificially, uh, so to speak. So I think they'll use it. And whether they get just like a filler, like a Zeller, Snell, or James Johnson versus somebody real is very hard to say. I almost want to say that they get somebody real. Um, it's so hard because I I kind of think they'll keep the pick. Kind of seems what you what you think as well because uh, just gathering from some stuff I've been reading and you know Warriors talk is everywhere that they seem to think the front office and the scouting team is like been diving in on scouting for what will be like 10 months now because they knew they were going to be bad as soon as Clay was out and then Curry went down. So like I feel like they almost maybe are getting attached to some of these prospects and they feel like they can maybe find one that they truly believe in. So I think that they probably will use the pick even though I probably would not want to use it. And and yeah, I think that they'll probably get somebody better than you think for like either a minimum or their MLE just because they're the Warriors and they're going to be really good and you know you can sell that to players you can come live in California uh, we can throw you a commercial or two like you said I think that they'll get somebody like unexpectedly good for for the amount of money they're actually going to pay them yeah. and and yeah that's what, that's what I think they'll do I don't think they'll trade any of their like core pieces uh, the other thing I was asking so Clay Thompson you mentioned for a second if you weren't embedded in Warriors' culture, would you consider trading him? Because I know I told you earlier, mentioned earlier, John Hollinger actually had him as like either the worst contract in the league or like a top three contract in the league. And so, I mean, would you consider trading him at all or no? I mean, I, I would call Steph untouchable, but I mean, it'd be very tough for me to trade play, but I would, I'm kind of in the boat of like always take calls. So like I... I'd listen, but it'd be very, 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 very tough for me to move on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really hard to trade him. Yeah. One last prediction. So do you think this team actually could be like a top three title contender? Yeah, definitely. I think um, Steph and Clay are close to the top of their uh, expected or potential outcomes. They make use of their assets at least like above like a C like at least above like they do like above average or so with, with uh, however they play out the draft pick and the 17 million dollar trade exception and the MLE and maybe like a vet or two who's like better than the minimum comes for the minimum I think there's definitely potential there there's a lot of different ways to get better on top of like this team being healthy and, and like maybe the potential that Wiggins has like a career year or something like that so I mean I'd Definitely would call him a contender, but maybe how real of a contender, that's, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say there's a chance. That would be pretty nuts. Uh, just like Clippers, Lakers, if the Rockets were back in full force, then the Warriors mm -hmm. were back in full force. That would be quite the playoffs in the West. Yeah, that would be pretty exciting. Um, so do you have any questions? <laughs> yeah, I do. Just trying uh, to fly do through these. Do you think Golden State would have won the title last year if Durant was the only injury? Yes. So, oh, yeah. Okay, no, hold on, never mind. I didn't let you finish the question. <laughs> no, that was. I was just going to say, so Iguodala missed the Western Conference Finals. His hamstring was probably still lingering. Boogie was less than 100%. He came back from his torn quad. Obviously, Clay missed an entire game with a hamstring, and then he tore his ACL when they were winning in Game 6. Uh, and so, then Looney also couldn't even lift his like arm above his head <laughs> towards the end. So you said if Durant was the only injury, everyone else is just like normal playoff beat up. Yeah. Um, then it's really close, I think. But I think I still lean the Raptors. But really, yeah. But Durant, if Durant's playing, like it's hard for me to not pick the Warriors. Like everyone else could have still had their injuries, but if Durant's out there, it's really tough for me to not pick the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I think that they would have won if they had all the rest of the guys, but... Uh, I definitely think it's possible. Like, I probably just feel it as being really, a really close series, then. So, I see this on a different pod, like, 
kind of for a different reason. But so the Warriors just won three out of four titles. They had like the best four year run in like history for a regular season. And then they have one bad season, like the Spurs, like you alluded to. And now they might get the number one overall pick. Do you think that there should be any type of like two year average when it comes to like lottery? Or like, I don't know, do you think that that's fair? That they could just like literally have one bad season and then bam, they're like loaded up like the Spurs were? Um, I'm all about lottery reform. Yeah, no. I guess my answer is I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, what happens if like the reasons they were bad is stuff that's not like their current case? Like they're getting everyone back, but what if they were bad because like uh, everyone left or whatever or just whatever happened and then like they're being punished they're, when they're like lottery standing this year from like being a championship team, but they like they have like no remaining members of that team or something like that. Yeah, no, it's, that is a good point. Like the Cavs, when LeBron left, they're like terrible, and then yeah, you, have to, yeah, your, exactly. you have to tell your fans you don't get a top pick until two years from now. But yeah. I don't know. It would it would work in the reverse. Like on the way up, when you're good, you'd get like one more good pick, you know, because True. the losing season. So it might. It might balance itself out, but I don't know. It's a little goofy to me to see the Warriors in the finals five straight years and then mm-hmm. see them get the best overall player. I don't know. It's fair point. It's a little, it's a little strange with me. Uh, <laughs> most polarizing question I think of like the last three or four years. Do you did you like the 2017 through 19 Warriors after Durant came? Yeah, I mean to me it's as simple as I just like good basketball and I mean that's a great team to watch. They like, got. It's just one of the most exciting teams. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't dig too deep into it. I know people talk about Durant's legacy, whatever it meant. Like, I don't know what it meant. Like, debate that all day. But uh, it's great basketball to watch. They're a great, super fun team. And, I mean, yeah, as simple as that for me. But was it great basketball when you know they're going to win before the game starts? Like, literally, like, 80% of the time? Well, I mean, part of it is because, I mean, I'm, I'm like, a Rockets fan and, like, that's when the Rockets were probably the second best team in the league for like a lot of that span. And I mean, that was, they were supposed to beat them if it wasn't for Chris Paul's injury and like, and they blew double digit leads in game six and game seven, like without Chris Paul, they were supposed to win that series. So, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it sucks in the finals when it's like, like, you know, they're not even going to win a game or they'd be lucky to win a game to push it to five. But I mean, that's like some of like just my all-time favorite basketball is like that series between the Rockets and Warriors, and um, I just liked watching the Warriors go on and just play because they're just such a good team. So I enjoyed it. I will say that I'll give you the one series between Houston and Golden State was like pretty epic, and I liked that. And man, was I cheering for the Rockets, but. Uh, I don't know that 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 I don't know that seven games validated three seasons of just like inevitability in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, will Clay's thirty nine and a quarter be topped? Thirty seven, like thirty seven. Sorry, in the next like fifteen years. No, I don't think so because it's partially because of how great of a shooter he is and. Well, I mean, everyone shoots so many more threes now. I mean, maybe. I don't know. That's so many. That's so many. But I thought it was a typo when I read that. Like, that I don't know what's more impressive. Super fun night for sixty NBA points today. with eleven dribbles. Like those are insane. Um, <laughs> I don't. If it is, if it does, well, I say if it does get topped, it'll be in a long time. I mean, I don't know why time makes a difference. Like, I don't know why if Curry was going to break it. Like, I mean. I mean, now there's plenty of people who could break it. So, actually, I don't know if time's the thing. Like, if someone's going to break it, it would be someone like a Curry or Harden who just shoots a ton of threes and just are great elite scorers, like a Kevin Durant. Like, those type of people who, like, you would think could break it. Well, not you would think could break it, but if you had to pick a type of person who had a chance, those are the type of people who could. So, I don't know. I mean... It seems pretty insane, right? Like that, uh, yeah, it might be. It might be easier to score eighty to beat Kobe's eighty-one than Clay's thirty-seven. As weird as that sounds. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's crazy. I think that's correct. Like, it would be probably easier to beat score eighty-two in a full game than uh, thirty-eight in a quarter. Every once in a while, I have to rewatch that. He's just literally made like every every single shot he took, which was nuts. Yeah. <sighs> That's all. That's all my questions. Okay, 
we are going to wrap it up then. Thank you to the one person who stayed through this entire pod. Um, yes, yeah, lots of Warriors talk. And who do we have next? Is it, uh, is it Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. That'll be a fun one. We'll get that one to y'all soon. Check out thedraftclass.com, and we will talk to y'all later.